0: Sure. Lord, Father, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sun that came out. Um, pray, for, pray for this class and uh, for service this morning. Uh, pray, teach us um, your word. Teach us um, apologetics from um, uh, using C.S. Lewis as our helper here. And uh, pray we'd be edified and uh, grow by it. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Amen. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is new morality. New morality.
0: Not numerology?
1: No. <laughs> no. Morality.
0: Oh new morality.
1: New. No. So C.S. Lewis argues that Jesus didn't bring a new morality. Okay, so now let's turn to John 1334 and contradict C. S. Lewis. <laughs> and try to puzzle out exactly what he means by new. New as fast as they used
0: to. It's
1: right. Take your time. Take 13, your time. 13, Matthew. 13, 1334. John, 1334. One more time. Who would like to read it for us? Anyone? Uh, I have it. Go for it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Okay. You all start to love one another. So he says, a new commandment I give you, and that commandment is to love. Well, I, I'm sorry, I thought the greatest commandment was to love God and to love your neighbor. Right, right, So if we're already supposed to love, why is it new? And, and this is where we get into interesting philosophical categories, because is there anything that's really new? No, Ecclesiastes says
2: there's nothing new Nothing new,
1: right? Nothing new under the sun So
2: Jesus lied to
1: us? Oh my gosh (laughs) Well, he uh, speaks in a way that is very typical of the Old Testament where um, I mean, nothing that he makes he, he makes everything that he does Okay, let me go back He made everything in the beginning Now all we have is rearranging furniture Okay? All we have is rearranging furniture My Silverado is new In the sense that it's a new, right? It's never the first time they ever made a Silverado; it was brand new. But nothing in in the Silverado was new. Everything was acquired (laughs) from somewhere else. Okay, but here's a new manifestation of these things, Mm -hmm. and I think that gets to the heart of what he's doing here. Yeah, (laughs) Jesus is saying a new commandment I give you: love one another as I have loved you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that's new what's new isn't that you're supposed to love that's what we're always supposed to do what's new is that we actually see it for, for, in real time for the first time in him
3: yeah.
1: so this is why as he's going along he's considered this new moral teacher and everyone's astounded by the way he talks but all he's doing is, is, is re-casting uh, in new light all of these things that they already knew right? the sermon on the mount is you've heard it said but then he, he corrects the interpretation um, and, and a lot of the times uh, the disciples, or the disciples and, and even the Pharisees are challenging him because of the things that he's saying but the things that he's saying isn't new it's just a new way of understanding it does this make sense? so in, in the church what I, what I really struggle with is this idea that the Old Testament has nothing to do with the new testament saints right we don't use the old testament the law doesn't matter anymore christ fulfilled it so he really abolished it even though that's not what he said so what we have to understand is that the new morality is really the old morality except we now have an example that clarifies everything for us okay that's that's the thing you are supposed to obey the law but you're supposed to obey the law not as um the religious people do but as jesus does okay that that's what's new about it you guys have any questions about that does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, Doctor Johnson. You guys know who Doctor Johnson is? Yeah. So a number of people. Samuel Johnson is considered the greatest biography ever written in English. It's huge, um, and it was written by a friend of Doctor Johnson's, um, who was just enamored with the guy, I thought he was fantastic, so he wrote this, this beautiful book about him. Um, so they're both well known for the same biography. One for writing it, one for living the life. It's, it, he was this moderately obscure guy um, who was really beloved by his friends. And so C.S. Lewis was, was I'm not going to say obsessed with this book, but he really liked it a lot. So he quotes Dr. Johnson. Do you guys know that you guys have your books there? You can tell us the Dr. Johnson quote. What chapter should I be
2: looking
1: at? Book three, chapter three, Social Morality, I think, or what chapter is it? What is it called? You read it or you heard it?
3: <laughs> yes, well.
1: Dr. Johnson.
2: As Dr. Johnson said, this one, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed?
1: Yes, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. Now, do you guys agree with that?
2: Why or why not? Yeah. I agree
0: I think in in this category of morality, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, the idea of the
0: natural law fits well with that. That we all know what's right.
1: Right. We don't need to be taught what's right. We already know. You see, that's where your money is. Sorry. Yeah, he's uh, clarifying a point that he's been making from the beginning of the book, right? Um, You show me anyone who's, right? I mean, even if we had, say, Lewis, my son, come in here, he's eight years old. Um, I don't need to tell him not to steal things. I don't need to tell him not to lie. He knows already, right? The, the, the stuff that we learn that's new, really, especially when it comes to ethics, we learn very young. After that, it's just repeating ourselves. Yeah. Um, and the apostles do this. They say, hey, it's, not, it's, it's good for you for me to repeat myself, and it's no problem for me, right? Um, I find that there's really, what um, there's in my world anyway, certain doctrines that I hover around um, and, and I my, like, my whole teaching ministry tends to circle around particular doctrines, and I'm kind of always talking about them. And over like a five-year period, I kind of shift just a little bit, but there's always this overlap where I feel like I'm again and again and again and again restating things <laughs> that, that you guys already know, but that I really, really want you to really know. Um, and that's all what most good teachers do, is they come and tell you things that you already know or they get you to look at things you know in a different way so, that, yeah. so like Nathan comes to David and, and tells him a story and, and David who already knew what he had done with Bathsheba was bad suddenly realizes it's bad right? that, that's like the quintessential sermon showing people themselves okay? you already know this let me just give you a mirror um, and counseling is this way Uh, Most of the time, what I like to do when when counseling is I just sit there and and let people tell themselves what they ought to do. (laughs) And 85% of the time, that's really what you're doing, uh, is just getting them to tell themselves what to do. So I I completely agree with this. Uh, And then he goes on, there's another quote by C.S. Lewis here right after the Dr. Johnson quote about the real job of moral teachers.
0: The job of every moral
2: teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the old simple principles which we are all so anxious not to see. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Be nice to people, right? Yeah. Love one another. Don't love yourself more than you love others. It's like, how many times do we have to be told this, right? Think about the whole Christian um, concept of, you know, of what we're doing as a church. Every week we get together. And we go through the same motions over and over and over again. And yet, yet do, you know, if they're done well, you never get sick of them. Because our soul needs it. Our soul needs this repetition. Our minds need this repetition. Our hearts need this repetition. Okay, so what role, now this is going to get really interesting with this group, what role do the scriptures play in the arts and sciences? Um, and this is an important one, because this is, this is a really big deal in the modern church. Are the scriptures sufficient for, for all um, faith and practice? Right? Are, the, are the scriptures sufficient to tell us everything we need to know? How about that? <laughs> everything we need to know? Everything we need to know. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that this is one of those areas where we get into where it's actually kind of hard for us because we're like, the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures, right? And then, okay, Eric is out there. I'm going to go give him this, and I'm going I'm to have him do some surgery now based on this, right? Uh, my, my 98 Civic is broken, so I'm going to open the manual to life, and I'm going to now fix my Civic, right? That's not how this book functions. that's yeah. right. Right. How does this book function?
3: Well,
0: I think the point CS is, yes, is making that it's it's the manual for the human machine. For
1: the I mean, human, human machine, human right? Machine. Yeah. So it does not teach me how to cut properly with a scalpel. Okay. Um, now, as I as far as I understand it, there's a correct way to use a scalpel and an incorrect way to use a scalpel. It does not teach me how to use a scalpel. It teaches me what to use a scalpel on, right? If I use a scalpel uh, to do heart surgery, that's, that's proper and ethical and good. If I'm using scalpels to commit abortions, that is improper and, and not good, right? So it, it helps us function as, as images of God. It does not tell us everything that we need to know, right? It, there's all kinds of mysteries in the world. Um, and, and this is where people, again, we, science is very, very useful to understand our world. What is a black hole? I can't open the scripture and tell you what a black hole is. So you have to study these things over here. This tells you how to study them. Does that, does that make sense? And I think we have to defend it in that way. Um, when we say that the scriptures are, are all sufficient, it's because we're running the human machine. Okay? Okay. And, and And we have to understand that everything else that we go out and use to learn uh, you know, about the world that God made is subservient to this it 's all downstream of this um, because lots of people nowadays, especially you know they 're learning all about carbon and emissions and all these things and, and is it causing them to honor God and love mankind and pursue the cultural mandate, or is all this knowledge causing them to do what oh we shouldn 't have babies and now you shouldn't eat meat because cows fart. <laughs> and they and they put out more emissions in the world, you know. Okay. So it causes this whole religious worldview that is contrary to the word of God, okay? And then what you get is a bunch of scoffers who say, well, you know, God says that the seasons are going to always be here. It says it right in Genesis, so emissions is stupid. <laughs> and, and what you tend to get with, um... Oh, that's really loud. uh What you tend to get... <laughs> is this sort of fundamentalist reaction to all of this and just say scripture, scripture, scripture okay, and and you should only read scripture and I don't need any creeds with scripture I don't need any books with scripture you don't need anything to educate your kids with scripture and then you raise a bunch of little weirdo fundamentalists who don't know God Um, I've said it before I'll say it again some of the greatest advice I was ever given by a pastor was to stop reading my Bible so much (laughs) he was like stop reading it so much you know, you don't need to read Deuteronomy every day. You can there's other books in the Bible, there's other books, there's also you could go outside at screen time. So I think it's very important. Um, and then he goes right from that into this idea that if we want a Christian society, who makes a Christian society? Do ministers and bishops make Christian society? In the common no, see, the common man does, right? And if we turn now in our Bibles to Ephesians 4. I know we're going to have to get some soundproofing or something. What uh, verse? 4 11 and 12. Okay you want to read it for yeah. us again? Uh, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists,
2: the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to
1: mature manhood, to the, matter, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So. Okay. Now, for those <laughs> egalitarians, this might be difficult. but So he gives ministers, okay? So at the top, you have ministers. Now, ministers cannot go into every place. I can't, right? I am, I am limited. I'm not God. I can't go into the banks and Boeing, right, and McDonald's and teach everyone about Jesus. But what I do, what, what happens is all of you come here, and my responsibility is to instruct you using the manual so that then you will go out into your, your workplace and your communities and you will do the work of ministry. Okay, that's what it's saying. Do the work of ministry. And in order to do that, you have to have someone who explains the manual to you, okay? And, and that's what, how the church is supposed to function, okay? So it doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter what your calling is, vocation or job. You're doing the work of ministry. And you learn to do it from what's interesting that it even includes evangelists. Why would they include evangelists to the church? <laughs> I thought an evangelist was somebody who went out and spoke to unbelievers in the outside world. Why would the church be provided with evangelists? Hmm. Have you thought about
0: to, that? To teach people how to evangelize. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, to teach people yeah. how to evangelize, but to them. evangelize. Damn right? Yeah, right, right, right. Because the, what what you're dealing with in, in evangelism is unbelief. Now, I know lots of you, right? You guys are all good Christian people. You're here, but you struggle with unbelief. And, and an evangelist's primary job is that the people of God believe. Right? Remember Jesus came and he's like, wow, you guys' lips are all close to God, but your hearts are far from him. And the first thing that they needed was an evangelist. And that goes side by side with all the other teaching. People ask me, do I ever evangelize people? And I was like, yeah, I evangelized 120 people every week. <laughs> <laughs> Non-stop. Um, and I remember the first controversy I ever got in as a Christian was on the Mars Hill, like I don't know, Facebook page thing uh, the that you read yeah. hmm and they that. said a bunch of people at our church needed to be converted um, and that just threw people they're like what do you mean they're like they're Christians I was like oh I know yeah they're totally Christians but man they need to be converted <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you know Mark comes on there what are you reading what book are you reading right now and I was like oh it's by Doug Wilson <laughs> about the objectivity of the covenant that led to some office visits. let's just say <laughs> Right? And I mean it's it's so funny. Think about all the things that a first century Jew had to do in order to enter the synagogue. Okay? Mm. You could they didn't just let anybody in a synagogue during a service. And the first demon-possessed person that Jesus runs into in the Gospel of Mark is a guy sitting in the synagogue. Right? He's right there amongst all the other Jews, and he is bearing a demon inside of him. And you're like that, that synagogue needed some evangelism. Mm. Okay. So um Christian Christian culture. If you want Christian literature, if you want Christian doctors, if you want Christian mechanics, it's not the ministers of the of the gospel who are doing that work. We're preparing people to go out and do that work. Okay. Now, is have you guys heard of this before? This idea of the nobility of your the divinity of your vocation, essentially. Yes. Because you're a minister, right? We're a nation of priests. And so we're, right? Yeah, Luther had this idea. He was the one who said, right. especially because he was rejecting medieval uh, monasticism, is that the milkmaid is, is doing her work under the Lord. She's doing the work of ministry. Um, I have a, a, a young believer now who's kind of, right? He's near the kingdom of heaven. It's not there yet. And the first thing, uh, something he's recently struggling with is the fact that his work actually matters to God. It's not that all the work that that is done in the church Is done in the church By people who are paid professionals He realizes that what he's doing in his everyday job Is the ministry of the actual local church This is why he's very close to the kingdom of (laughs)
3: heaven
1: So this is something that uh, we all need to understand Especially in a church like ours Where you have so many um, You know, we tend to think In patriarchal societies That the patriarchs do everything But that's not what patriarch, Right? That's not how it functions. Um, There's a difference between being responsible and leading, and actually doing the work. And and this example from Ephesians is is perfect for this. The ministers are supposed to equip the saints to actually do the ministry. Okay? You you have to have a whole household of believers. My wife, my daughter, my sons—all of us—we're all priests that have a particular calling. A particular way that we're supposed to be priests, um, even my daughter. and and I, I think in some patriarchal circles that's controversial. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it, it can be. Um, yeah, so my my daughter should be able to explain the gospel to an unbeliever just like my son should be, right? And I think in the past, the, cr- the Christian culture, uh, they, they got away from this, and this is where it led to like women not being educated and they, they, you know they limited what women can do. Um, and limiting the sphere of influence is not the same thing as influencing is limiting what they actually do in that sphere if that makes any sense mm-hmm. o, o, women are called to particular spheres which are generally different than men but what they're supposed to do there is largely what the same thing the men are supposed to do which is glorify God right, and, and, and disciple the nations does this make sense what I'm saying mm-hmm. um, I don't know how many times people come to me and they say hey I have this great idea for what you can be doing for the kingdom of God and I always listen for like half a second and then I stop listening um, because I, what I hear the person telling me is what they ought to be doing for the kingdom of God right? and that's, always, that's usually where the conversation goes So I fe- it seems like you're really burdened about this and I can give you some books to help you figure out what you're supposed to do but you should definitely go and start that ministry right because it, it, we've gotten into this prof- professionalization of the ministry that is actually inaccurate and unbiblical any questions about this? No. So, uh, are you, you're retired, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and where did you work? Uh, McDonald Douglas Boeing. Oh, yeah, see, there you yeah. go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and did you did you think of that as a ministry? Yeah. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. good, good,
0: good. I mean, at the highest level, obviously, I had my job to do, right. but I realized <laughs> that I had to, you know, keep uh, air about me that showed that I was a Christian yeah. and not a heathen. Yeah, <laughs> but not at the same time. You know, like right. going around
1: preaching, telling
0: people what they're doing wrong. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, so there's right. a fine line you walk.
3: Right, right.
1: right, Yeah, and it's a difficult one. It is. And and I remember. Um, so the last thing, well, the two, of, one of the two last things I had to learn before I was prepared for this job, to get super autobiographical. Um, was I was standing at uh, yeah I had to go work for the courts so I was, I was going to work in the courts it had not worked out as a professional teacher I didn't really understand I, that was Christian ministry and I'm leaving Christian ministry to go work at the courts I'm going to go be relegated amongst the Gentile nations <laughs> a bunch of heathens and, and I remember feeling like I was going into exile and I did not know how long it was going to last and, and it was in there was one day where I realized like if I can't if I can't do ministry here, then I have no no right to do ministry anywhere. And so I had to learn that last bit, right? My job, I had a job to do. And what I didn't want to do was the job. I want to do ministry. Well, God was like, well, how about, right? You got to have a job where you're literally sitting there because your boss told you to enter parking tickets. Right. Um, you know, to, to file these, these claims against the state. You have to do this work. But at the same time, you have to be discipling the nations and it wasn't until i figured out how to do that i think that was one of the last two things uh, before i was ready and and you know e- even before dean left we knew he was leaving i was considering full-time ministry because i felt like i could do it uh, never have a minister who he can't do anything else <laughs> <laughs> say that again a minister who can only do ministry oh, okay. that's do. all he's good for is not good at it right. he's got to be able to do other things 1st um, that's one of the problems with these guys getting out of college and going right into the ministry. Right? They they haven't proved that they can do anything else. Um, because again, like even this, like I understand what you're saying because I've been there before, and I think it's very different than a lot of pastors don't understand what it's like to actually have to go out uh, and yeah. work like a real guy job. Ministry is like its own major as opposed to yeah. So the, I mean, that's, that's integrated into our everyday life, and and then what and then what you have is a minister trying to teach people how to integrate it in their everyday life, and they've never had to do that. Yeah. Right, Because, again, like I love my pastor buddies. But we all sit at coffee shop, right? We go to coffee shops and work for a couple hours, and somebody sees the book we're reading, and we talk about the gospel for a few minutes, and we think we're integrating ministry into our everyday life. And, I mean, that is an okay example. But that's not the same thing as you have to see the same co-worker.
0: <laughs>
1: and I remember there was, a, I, there was a co-worker I had that reported me uh, to, to the union because I, I would open doors for her. And, I, and I, I would see her lifting something heavy, and I would help. Because, um, again, at the courthouse, I was one clerk of 18. 17 of them were women. And so I felt like it was my job to do, like, all the hefty lifting and not wash dishes. Um, I'm not kidding about that. Uh, they would always be like, Mike, we your wife is at home. She's not here to wash your dishes, so wash your own dishes. <laughs> but she literally reported me because I was, like, doing this male-dominant thing where I'm, like... Heavy. Like, oh, I'll lift the paper. <laughs> so I literally had my union rep tell me to stop doing stuff like that. Right? Now, that that makes my that changes the kind of sermons I'm going to preach later in life. Okay, so now let's talk about usury. Uh, because I think this is one area um, that modern Christians have really struggled with. Uh, this is something that... It's difficult for us because we don't understand exactly how far <coughs> we've poured out this
2: But how would we oh maybe you're gonna get down. how do you because our whole financial institutions are based on yes this, how do you undo if if it's ungodly, yes, how do you undo that?
1: And that's what our nation is built on this. Have yeah, you seen Fight Club? I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> you blow up the credit card headquarters. <laughs> no. I think you should edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> How do you undo it? Right. And, and I think we have to be very careful here because I, I want to talk first about what, like a joint stock company. Okay. So here's my example. Nate, Nate is going to go to the New World. Okay. He goes to the New World and he's starving over there because. Uh, He he got there too late in the year and most of his stuff was shipwrecked and he's now lonely and cold and hungry. So he comes up with this idea and he writes me a letter He says, listen, if I just had enough supplies, I could go into the hills and hunt beavers and we'll all get rich off the furs. I'm like, nah, that's a lot of money though. So, So I go to you and you give some of the money and you give some of the money and you give some of the money and I give some of the money and we buy all the supplies and we send it over to him. And he goes into the hills. He kills a lot of beavers, most of the beavers. Well, New England, all the beavers. <laughs> and, and and we all get rich off the pills. And it's great. Right? Now we we shared the risk. Now what happens if he goes in the hills and fails? Right? He may be ruined. Nobody's gonna trust him ever again. But just because I gave a little bit and you gave a little bit, you gave a little bit, we're not ruined. Now that's a joint stock company. <clears throat> that's actually how a stock company is supposed to work. Right. Now is, now, there's a guy in the church plant who's working on an algorithm that does day trading. This far? Day trading, as far as okay. I understand. Yeah. Now, that's not the same thing as what I just described. Right? right? That's like a, a fancy way of going and counting cards, in my opinion. And, and, and it's like, hey, more power to him on one level. But you can, what I don't think what he's doing is bad. But what, what has gotten bad is that's not what a joint stock company is for. Right? A joint stock company is so that people can share the risk and, and, and invest in a venture that is possibly going to make everybody wealthier and do, uh, provide services to everybody that, that's better. Right? I can't go over and, you know, and to the New World and get beaver pelts. He's going to do it. But I'm going to back him right. so that we can share in the profit. And I don't think there's a problem with that, honestly. But, but what has happened in the modern world is it's gotten away from that so far that it's ridiculous. Um, the other thing is shanking. Now, this is uh, an odd one because um, in the Old Testament, what you're supposed to do, okay, so say again, Nate's going to be my example. So Nate and I both own land next to one another in the tribe of Benjamin. I fall on hard times. Say, listen, I can't, I can't keep going. I'm going to give you my land, and I'm going to become your household servants. Your responsibility now is to take care of me, my wife, and my kids, I work for you, and my land is your land. Okay, so now you go to the year of Jubilee, okay? Seven, sevens, 49 years, and the year of Jubilee, he has to release my family and give the land back. Okay, he releases us from our debts, he releases us from the difficulty, he, he's essentially reestablished us. He gives that back to us. Now, even if I'm a dirty thief and I wait until the 48th year and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm falling on hard times, I'm going <laughs> to give it to him, but then I'm going to let him take the burden for a couple of years and I'm just going to get it right back. But even then, you're supposed to do it.
2: Yeah. I thought they, like, they would purchase the land and with the knowledge that X amount of years they would go back. So your purchase price would be dependent on how long they would use the land cycle, like at least more than a year.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. But, it, it, but it's between brothers. And the one brother is obligated to give it back. Okay, you're supposed to forget, forgive the debts that people have accrued from you every seven, every fiftieth year. So you're right; it is more like a leasing program than a purchase. But you're supposed to get it back. Now, if I go to B E C U, it's
3: funny
1: that they do thirty year loans. By the way, <laughs> um,
3: why? Is that, I mean, is that
1: if true? they did a 50 first if there was fifty one year loans, I could maybe get out of having to pay some. Now, I go to the bank, I go to BCU, and I borrow four hundred thousand dollars and I eventually pay back $900,000, because that's how the, this, this works, right? <laughs> but then, so then I own my house, say a friend of mine on Mercer Island, this, this poor old man had bought this house on the waterfront on Mercer Island in like 1945. And he's there, and he was an ancient old guy, and he couldn't live there anymore because the property taxes were higher than, every year than what he actually paid for the place. Um, and he got forced out of it, right? Now, that's taxes. We're not going to get into taxes. But banking, the way banking works now is you're supposed to owe people money. Like, my, my credit score, I was told, wasn't as high because I don't owe very many people money. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, my credit score used to be really bad because I owed everybody money. <laughs> now I owe no one money and be able to think my credit score is bad. And, and, and you're supposed to carry debt. I, I have a friend who... He's not a believer. He was recently talking to me about getting my 15-year-old son, like, thinking about his credit score and how he should start carrying debt. And, and you, if you don't carry debt, then you're not really a member of society, right? And, I mean, people like Donald Trump and rich people, if you look into their system, all they've done is borrow a ton of money, right? And, and those guys know how the system works, right. and they work the system, like an algorithm that does day trading. Yeah. And, and they use debt in order to make themselves wealthy. And, and, and this is, there's something very wrong with this, but how do, you, how do we get out of it? How do we get out of usury? I mean, it's like a pillar of our society at this moment, and the Bible is very clear that it's not okay.
0: And a question on that, so is your understanding that charging any interest that was considered usury, or is usury uh, like excessive interest?
1: Well, I would say, like I mean, as far as I understand it, I would say excessive, but I don't necessarily trust my own opinion. Yeah. When it comes to this kind of thing, right. I actually then,
2: don't trust myself. Then you have to define excessive.
1: Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Like cruel and unusual punishment. Right. right? They've taken cruel and unusual punishment to say you can't kill anyone ever. It's like, oh I can I can put to death criminals in a particular way. Yeah. Um and, and this is what they do with legal language. They start making it very flexible until it means nothing. Mm. Yeah. What is excessive? Yeah. Credit card. Um, interest rates, if you have Well, I mean, yeah, see, I don't have. A, I, I, I had one car loan one time, and I felt so uncomfortable about it, I paid it off like three months later. And then I got a pen, I got penalized. I didn't even know that's how it worked. <laughs> I got penalized for paying it off too quick, quickly. Well, and then that's when I was like,
0: they wanted to I'm
1: not going to play this. This is a game I'm not going to play Yeah. And I've never had a car loan since <clears> then. And I actually vowed years ago, much to the, my poor wife. I vowed years ago I was never going to buy a house. I was like, I'm not playing that game with anybody. And I should have played that game. But that, there's other reasons for that. Okay, You got property, you can leverage to do other things. I understand how this works now. But uh, my wife owned a house when we got married, and we sold it. And I saw how the whole thing worked. I was like, a, you know, I'm in my 20s. I was like, not going to do that. <laughs> now I'm living in a rental for 13 years. So, I mean, right, in order to play the game, you got to get into the game on some level. It's very difficult. But what, what do you guys think about usury? Banking? Well, well clearly, it's
2: biblically, it's wrong. But I, just like, like I asked. Yeah, how, you, how do you
1: get out how of how it? How do, Adult we, system system. do this whole, yeah, we
2: Yeah, we built on this.
1: Yeah. And if you look back, like mercantilism, uh, joint stock adventures, you see how this developed in the modern world. And, and it's kind of hard. Like, at one point, did they go too far? I would say banking. Centralized banking is probably where they yeah. went too far, in my opinion, but again, I don't, I'm Central. not an expert on these areas. Once you have the government controlling, that's not yeah. what the government's supposed to do, right. okay? They're supposed to mint money, even that I agree with, fine. They can mint money, uh, maybe, or just help us understand how it ought to be minted. Um, just like bonds. Um, what does that mean? Mint money? Mint. Yeah, like make it okay. Yeah, somebody yeah. ought to be in charge of actually the making the Treasury, money that we like. right. Yeah, the Treasury's fine, but that's different than the than, the, you know, federal, the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and yeah, you can get an all to you know. Fiat currency now is not backed by you know anything backed yeah. by debt, I guess. It's, but it's great. worth what it. we say it's worth. Right. right. Yeah. It's all bought. Yeah. First
1: yeah. Eighty percent of the money that we have, by the way, the eighty percent of the U.S. dollars in, in circulation were made in the last like two years. Mm. Right. And then and then now we have inflation. And like I am I am nobody who knows very little, but I know that oh that's why we haven't like oh of course we have inflation. You're just Gosh. handing money out, to people <laughs> and now gas is five bucks a gallon. But, the, you know, in Washington, they're
0: like, what is going on? It's the war in
1: Ukraine.
0: <laughs> right. Get an electric car. Yeah, get an electric car, right? I'll
1: go out and get a $60,000 electric car. That's probably one of the cheaper ones. Yeah. Yeah, well, right? I mean, this is, it's part of that whole thing. I mean, at the start of COVID, um, Jay Inslee said, we're not going to waste this opportunity to remake the, the economy in Washington State. Um, he wasn't lying either. He was not lying, and it's part of this, right? He said, he,
2: he said what? He
1: said that he isn't going to waste the opportunity to remake the Washington oh. economy. It's like the Great Reset. Yeah, the Great Reset. <laughs> and, absolutely. And this is where of the idea State. of the Great Reset. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theorists think there is a Great Reset because people like him say things like that. Right. Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you guys did in fact pick a bunch of winners and losers. Yeah. Um, and now, right, because of all of, all these, oh, we have to close the pass. We have to close the pass because the weather is so bad and the weather is terrible and you're like how about all those people you fired because they didn't have anyway we're getting off topic yeah I have no idea how the change to change it issues. use to right. yeah I
3: mean
1: it's interesting at what point in history did, did they go too far right. 1850
0: before <laughs> well, that was great if we could just go the tax collectors during <laughs> Jesus' time went too far right. Right. yeah they correct. were accused of taking much Too much from people for their own benefits. Right. So, I mean, this has been going
1: on for ages. For a long time. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, anytime you get above like tribal. Okay, if everyone lives in like a parish, like the English used to have this system. Um, Like, here's the city limits, okay? And you have this grid. And you have all these houses on the outside of town, like this. And then the fields go this direction. And everybody owns a bit. And you work the fields together, and everybody gets their share of the of, based on the right uh, the land produces so many bushels. Everybody gets their bushels based on how much land you have. So you have this, city, this center, of this town with a church at the center, right? Oh, uh, that's supposed to be across. And then you have the fields all around. And in a system like this, you don't even really need money because right? you go to the baker and you swap the shoes and the, right. you give some chickens to get some cloth. Like, this is how it's supposed to work. But, like, you, you get to the empire of Rome, and you can see any empire like that is going to be corrupt. So I'm paid by the, I, like, I'm not paid to collect taxes in the Roman system. I'm supposed to garner my own wages. So you go out, and, and you tax people, right, the proper amount that the Roman authorities want you to, and then you take a little extra for yourself. But you also got to take then a little extra because you got to pay the soldiers. And you got to pay off somebody. Pay off somebody. Um, this is why I think you know one guy I know who has moved to a third third world country, Mexico, uh, now actually carries a certain amount of pesos in his pocket. So if he gets pulled over, he just pays the guy. He's like, "How much is the ticket? Okay, fourteen hundred. I'll give you two hundred, and we'll act like this never happened." And and that's what you get into money monetary situations like this where there's all this corruption and theft going on. Um, but we've lost this idea of like communal living, um, where I just trade my goods and services to you for your goods and services. Um, and, and anytime you get big, you get a big bureaucratic state that, that you end up going this direction. So I don't know how to fix it. It's just we have to admit that it's a problem. Well, literally, yeah. Lewis says that like the Christian society is is actually more similar to like a socialist society than okay. you know, we would like to imagine. Yeah, than we like to imagine than most of us come That's good. quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's there in seed form in Acts, um, you know, where they had everything in common for a time, because it was easier and safer. Uh, also, when you have communal property, yeah. so if I own a house and the, and, and the, and the Imperial Guard or whatever, the, the Jewish Guard, comes to my house and burns my house down, they can affect, they can manipulate me. If I don't own a house... And we all are just sort of this group of men, men, that roam around together. It's kind of hard to put the screws to people when there's no actual physical property.
2: I, and I, was, I think if you look at countries that are more, extremely corrupt, you have two groups of people, a few
1: rich and a lot
2: of poor. Yeah. And, you know, as our country, I think we're seeing that happening. Now. We're
1: happening now. The corruption's increasing.
2: <clears throat> so, yes, we probably would be more Christian if social. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to us. Yeah. But...
0: Well. I think, yeah, and honey, I think
1: collectivism. We just have to make a distinction yeah. between collectivism and socialism.
0: A big difference is that it was voluntary; it was they yes. were all.
1: That's that's what makes it collectivism. Right. it was voluntary versus yeah.
0: the government was wasn't forcing yeah. them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, they're not. Yeah, it wasn't and this like the state.
1: apostles were not trying to create a utopian state. <laughs> right. The Christians were like, you know, what would be easier and safer for all right. of us is if we all it's held everything shared. in
0: common. Shared, yeah. um,
1: And it's funny because it's, you know if they. The one couple who sells the property and prevent and, and keeps back some of the money and lies about what they've done. Yeah,
2: they're
1: they're they're disciplined by God, <laughs> and, and it was because and the apostle says it's yours. We're not telling you to do this. You, you're mm-hmm. gonna give give freely and don't lie about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is I think that kind of thing is closer to a true Christian society than we realize. Think because right. like here's a good like, this is a question in another class, but think about it. Is there going to be money in heaven? Because if you think about what fundamentally is money, uh, fundamentally money on some level represents my labor. So I take my labor and I give you my labor and you give me some of your labor.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that, I, I can imagine there could be a system like that in heaven. But we, it's hard for us to understand because we live in this credit-based
0: yeah.
1: thing where, where you have paper money issued by a central bank. I mean, it's just very hard to imagine what heaven would be like.
0: And when you borrow on it, you're borrowing on future labor. And,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I borrowing all of my future labor and yeah. I just become a slave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because I mean, you go to college, you get all that debt, you buy, right, everybody in their 20s wants to have the affluence of their parents, so they go out and they get houses that they can't afford. So then what well, you end up with are 30-year-old slaves. Um, because a lot of us, a lot of us, I mean, the bank, right? You go to the bank, you get a car loan. You go to the bank, you have your student loan there. You go to the bank, you have your home loan there. Yeah, we, I, I work for BECU or I work for Chase Bank. Right? You don't work for yourself. And, and I think that that is like straight up true. And it's, that is very difficult for people to accept. But you're, you're, you're slaves to Chase Bank. Like Chase Bank owns everything you do. Oh, lo and behold, they also have a share in, Mo- in Netflix and HBO Max. And now, also, what you're consuming at home is made by the same people who <laughs> these conglomerations. Look at me getting all conspiratorial. <laughs> all right, do you guys have? Uh, I didn't even get through all my questions. Was there anything else that jumped out at you guys from these chapters that you, that resonated? You only have a few minutes. That spoke to you on an individual word. level.
2: Well, <clears throat> affecting change um, usually like I don't know how to change things, change the system, and I feel like there is an example in that it's within the layman, right? So mm-hmm. you evangelize people, yeah. they will affect effectively change the culture mm-hmm. and change the way things are done. Mm-hmm. So it is important to have people who understand the thing about banking than have Christians who understand banking mm-hmm. and have oh, yeah. the ability to change it. Right.
3: right.
2: And so, I mean, I, I just found the thing that stuck kind out of to me, I find it interesting that, like, we even as conservatives focus on why isn't my politician doing the thing I want them to do? Right. Well, we didn't evangelize the people to vote on the right People to do the things we want them to do. Right, right. We don't have the. We don't actually have those people in those positions, yeah. and we didn't have. We don't have. We haven't made relationships with the people around us who make up the bulk of who voted for those people. Yeah. To make those decisions, so we complain in still a way that we are depending on the government who are just blindly or right
1: voted by people who aren't even Christians at all anyway. Right. So. Um, yeah, and then you hear things like in history in colonial America, you had to be a church member in yeah. order to vote at all. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that and own land. Mm-hmm. So those two things protect a lot of us, right? Because the church member isn't going to be perfect, but they're going to be closer to perfect than just, you know, Joe Schmo Gentile out there. Yeah, Yeah. so I mean, we've gotten ourselves in this position, right? Yeah, it, 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 yeah absolutely. But
2: it comes down to, you like saying that, um, you know, love God and love your neighbor, if you love your neighbor, they will they will then also love your your God as well, yeah. and then we'll all love God, and then we'll all go do things to, and we we'll all vote a certain way, we'll all do work a certain way, we'll all evangelize in our own certain way, and that's how change happens, that's how empires change altogether, the way they do things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is why it's, it's been controversial the last few years to preach on things in church that aren't... Like, why aren't you just preaching Jesus? Why are you talking about usury? Um, now, there's a way to preach usury, about usury, by including Jesus. But this is why we're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God. We're supposed to cover it all, because people are supposed to go out, we're evangelizing the whole society, right, as a community. And we need to know what is, how, what, what is the proper way to react. How do you properly obey lawful governments? How do you properly disobey unlawful ones? How, how are you supposed to conduct yourself so that you don't you're not a slave to Chase Bank, right? I mean, we're not supposed to be slaves to anybody but Christ. So, like, these are, this is partially why political churches get get into heat because you know, in trouble because they're not talking about Jesus. But it's important if we're going to have a society that transforms, right? If we're going to have a church that transforms the whole community. You, you have to talk about everything. Uh, no, nothing is off the table. And that's what I like about C.S. Lewis. Think of what he's covered so far in one chapter. And now he's going to go on to psychoanalysis, for the sakes. Right. He goes from usury to psychoanalysis. Right. Yeah. It, C.S. Lewis taught the whole counsel of God. Right. Um, and, and I think we could all learn to do the same thing. When we're, when we're evangelizing people, we're not just like getting out a card and getting someone to write their name down on this prayer card.
3: Hmm.
1: We're talking about the whole man uh, and the whole community. Okay. Would you pray, pray for us? Or did you pray for us to start? Oh, okay. No, you did. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Now it's your turn. <laughs> you can't do the same person twice. Yeah, yeah. All, right. All right, Lord, thank you for gather- gathering us today. And thank you for the wisdom uh, of the entire council uh, that you have given to us. And may we continue to listen to your word, pursue your word, uh, and love you and love others. And continue to represent uh, the light and the truth to the world. God i great. Amen. Amen. We'll talk about psychoanalysis next week. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs>